Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Everybody, welcome to another episode of Broadway Breakdown. Today we have yet another episode of My Obsession. Uh, you may be wondering, where is John Miscavige? The search is still on for him. As far as we know, he is still dead uh, or, you know, kidnapped by Stephen Sondheim. Finally, it finally happened. Uh, in the meantime, we have Mr. Kevin Duda in the studio, quote unquote, today. Uh, hi, Kevin. Say hi to fans hi fan hi fan <laughs> fan <laughs> asshole uh kevin duda is here to uh take part in our second episode of my obsession he has been on broadway a couple of times uh you might have seen him uh throughout the entire run of les liaisons dangerous yes uh through the first year year and a half of book of mormon two first two years of book of mormon um, and then, honestly, on any given Sunday, beautiful. Correct. Correct. Actually, almost three on, on Mormon. Almost three on Mormon. Yeah, because it was two th- we opened in 2011, and then I was there through 2000, end of 13. That's a great story. So, otherwise... Oh, wait, that's two years, isn't Or it? you saw him... No, that's almost three. It's almost three. Or you saw him touring the country with Eartha Kitt in Cinderella. Um, or you saw him on the interwebs on my web series. Baking it on Broadway. Yes, R.I.P. Uh, it's where is Where is... Sherry? Sh- Sherry? Charlotte? Oh, Sh- Sherry. Uh, no. Uh, no. What was the name of your... Shelly. Shelly. Shelly the... Shelly the we still have her. She's right there. Um, oh, hi, Shelly. Yeah, hi, Shelly. So when I say studio, I mean we're in my apartment. Hey, y'all. That I share with my straight husband, Tyler Milliron. And I've taken a Is it bun- Milliron? Milliron. I, I always call him Milliron. I mean, I just call him asshole. But <laughs> there we go. People are like, who did your headshots? And I'm like, Tyler Milleron. Tyler Milleron. <laughs> Maybe that's why he's Wait, not Ty- getting any business. Did Tyler do your headshots? Yeah. I did not know these things. He did my headshots after after baking it on Broadway. Tyler, stop interfering in my life. <laughs> he's somewhere in this apartment right now. <laughs> uh, but I did take a bunch of sound cushions and put them around us. And it's it's very homey. We've got my Harry <laughs> Potter on the table. And it's just a nice little homey little studio we it, made. It feels like a um, it feels like a podcast tent or like a podcast camp. Sure. So Kevin, let's just get into the nitty gritty because you and I could talk about Broadway forever. Correct. So I'm not gonna poke the bear about other stuff. I'm just right. gonna get right into the nitty gritty. What is your obsession for today? Harry Potter. No, I'm just kidding. It's <laughs> just right here. Uh, my obsession right now is 
this kind of and it's not really a it's not really one item but it's this um pervasive energy that happens every few years on broadway where we complain that broadway is going in one direction or new or property or or like or things are going in one direction like we're we're going to be all jeep oh god huh. we're going to be all jukebox or we're going to be all like new or we're going to be all so many plays and mm -hmm. and mostly i say this because it just drives me nuts because no one looks past to look at to the future. You know what I mean? Like sure. this happens all the time. Yeah. This is like a thing and it just drives me crazy because what it does is it creates this um it creates a negative energy around all of the the possible potential projects that could be happening mm -hmm. and don't because we're obsessed with the fact that we're Broadway's all movie musical adaptations. So your obsession today is negative mob mentality? Correct. Great. Correct. I love that you were trying to figure that out the whole time. I'm trying to like, how do we word this? I'm um, obsessed. I'm, I'm mostly obsessed with the fact that we keep that as cyclical as Broadway is. The, the, the feeling that Broadway is failing and theater is failing is also cyclical. Sure. Have you, I, well, I don't know why I'm asking this. You have seen Broadway, the golden age. Yes, yes. of course. Okay. I know. I was, yes. I, I'm going from here on out. I'm not going to ask. I'm going to tell. <laughs> I'm just I think I donated to Broadway the Golden Age, like maybe the third installation that that happened. Ben, that's never going to happen because yeah, he because passed away. He did. Although apparently the second one is done, and that's they, what I've heard. Yeah, and they just aren't ever releasing it. That was a shame. Point is, Al Hirschfeld says in Broadway the Golden Age, and this is so this movie, came, this documentary, which those of you who don't know it, I don't know how you're listening to this podcast and not know what Broadway <laughs> the Golden Age is. Um, that we have a couple of younger fans who are you know. God bless them trying to learn more but they're very like newsies be more chill yes, that yes, era. yes. Um, but where can you find it I mean where is it like it's is, a, it, you is can, it on iTunes or like M, M I think you can buy it or rent it on iTunes okay, you good. can definitely buy the DVD I have the DVD uh, it is a documentary that came out in 2004 uh, with a bunch of actors, writers, directors, what have you, uh, that were around for what was considered the golden age of Broadway mm -hmm. which is uh unofficially like 1940 to 1968 something like that right. um and al hirschfeld says in it i've been hearing that broadway's dying literally since i've been wearing pants right uh, like right. when oklahoma opened which led into west side story there was a al hirschfeld illustration that was uh representing audiences going oh well now all musicals are going to be serious like right. like broadway's right. dying right um so yeah we as audience members always because we can't predict the future we're just always just assuming that it's going to die. Right. No, I think it's, I think it's, the, uh, listen, I, I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm certainly not like, you know, Jerry Vicky. I'm not like the, you know, like 86 years old and like, you know, I'm not speaking from like having done Broadway for 85 years. Although you are close. <laughs> Let's change my obsession. My obsession is with this gun that I'm holding right now. Um, so... But it's this mob mentality that, like, you know, I mean, it's like, let's talk about Be More Chill because I think it's fantastic that a show has come to Broadway with that energy and sure. with for that reasoning. I don't know the show at all, so I can say that out, out, outright. I have no comment on the actual show itself. But what drives me crazy is that, um, yeah, yes, this is like, yes, this is this generation's new Rent, but Rent was there because of Superstar, and Superstar was there because of there's always going to be one. Yeah. So I'm glad it comes back around, but it's not better or worse than anyone that came around 10 years ago for that generation because we are in this cyclical let's break the boundaries let's do something different like we're always trying to push boundaries and if we're always trying to push boundaries 
at some point the boundaries are going to be broken, but the device is going to be the same. Yes. Agree. Let's pivot though. No, um, I, yes, Kellyanne. (laughs) Yes, Kellyanne. Uh, I, no, I agree with you in terms of that. Uh, I, I hear what you're saying because I will, (laughs) it does feel like right now with this season, we were very spoiled for like three seasons where we had the season of, Fun home and something rotten and the visit and right uh, we overflowing and then we had yeah then we had Hamilton and right. School of Rock and Waitress and Shuffle Along and then we had right. Jeremy Hansen and Great Comet and right. Groundhog Day and this and then the last years have been a lot of movie adaptations and a lot of jukebox musicals so it feels like oh this is where Broadway's heading but as you said it is it's a cycle um, Broadway kind of goes in, in it goes in waves yeah exactly it goes in waves and it also like you have to you if you want to look at like what's being what is the next cycle? Just look to regional, look to what's in the development. I mean, if you're not getting the Broadway briefing and looking at studying like all those shows that are in development, mm-hmm. you know, then then you don't know what's really actually coming next. And some there are some things that will surprise you, like, mm-hmm. you know, Hades Town took a crazy not crazy, but a different route to come into Broadway. You yeah. know, they they went they were in um, They did the Spider Woman route. They did the Spider Woman right, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I'm so gay. <laughs> you are so gay. Which, the Spider Woman route, for those of you who don't know, it's where you do something in New York and then you go to London, London. and then you come back. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, I mean, I in a way, like Be More Chill did, Be More Chill did off Broadway, and then it did regional for, and and in the CD, right? Like, no, did they, they did they did regional. They did New Jersey. They did, they did regional, yeah, in Jersey, and then they did an album. Right. And the album like blew up, and then it got produced in random places. And right. Now, then probably Broadway mostly Broadway. high school, probably mostly yeah. right. Mostly yeah. High school. Well, I mean, I I remember uh, what was it? Uh, Next to normal. Uh, was it next to normal? Yeah, next to normal. Everybody was really. Uh, Second stage. Yeah, they did second stage, and then I think they went to Arena, the, and then they came to Broadway. It was the Dear Evan Hansen route. Yeah. It was the exact Dear Evan Hansen no, route. No, Dear Evan Hansen reversed it. They, Dear Evan Hansen did Arena, then second stage, then Broadway. Did they? Yeah, that I know, because I saw I saw Dear Evan Hansen at Arena stage. Okay. In okay. a half-empty theater. Okay. They hadn't even opened yet. Oops. And I, I think about it to this day. I'm like, it doesn't matter where you come from. You can be a huge hit, even if your theater is half full. That's right. Week of previews. That's right. Yeah. Right. And for every Dear Evan Hansen, there's going to be to like you know there's going to be the summer musical and the share musical which are also you know and and, and those are unfair comparisons i should use different comparisons because dear van hansen is is very commercial just like share and summer are very commercial but they're commercial for different reasons broad i mean broadway is a commercial venture it's it's supposed to be the intersection of uh art and commerce like that's what's supposed to be sort of more commerce than art usually well you know with finances for Broadway being what they are, producers and investors are not taking as many risks. And there are also fewer shows produced every year. Right. So we can't really take, uh, we can't, in a normal season in the 40s, you would have like 40, 50 pieces produced. Um, right. And also you're opening, you're basically, every, when you're opening a Broadway show, you're opening an art gallery and you're asking everyone who is, you're asking multi-generational to come to see it. Mm-hmm. Because no Broadway show can, can survive on just the tween market or mm-hmm. just the, you know, look at, like you know, Legally Blonde lasted as it did as far as it did because it br- pretty much eked out all of the tween, teen, twenties, yeah. early early thirties, and by that time that was done, it closed. Mm-hmm. You know, whereas something like Chicago has multi generational, multi ethnic, mm-hmm. multi you know multilingual, um, uh, you know um, appeal, which is why it's still here. So opening a Broadway show is like opening an art gallery and asking 
everyone to come and appreciate it for the for a for a price. So with this mentality, why is it your obsession? Like what 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 about it? It drives keeps me, you up at night. It, it, it's because it because we never learn from it. It's because we keep continuing to be back at the same place. Mm-hmm. Like it, it really it really bugs me that um, you know. I visit the message boards every now and then. And, you know, but here's what I'll say about that is it's a healthy, unhealthy obsession. Sure. Not obsession. It's a healthy, unhealthy relationship. Mm-hmm. But there are there, – I have, I, have, I have carved out the people that I agree with and the people that I usually don't agree with. And, mm-hmm. and I don't do that in a, in, a, in a good or bad environment. I do that because the people that I agree with are the ones that have thoughtful things to say and probably things that I would say as well. Um, um, I don't, I don't ever post there. I'm not a poster. I have nothing to do with them. If everyone knows my history with that message board, <gasps> I still, I used to post. Okay. Back in my younger days. Mm-hmm. Uh, haven't posted in years. Mm-hmm. I still read it because for the most part, I find it just so fucking entertaining. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of like Us Weekly for Broadway, right? Yeah. Like, well, it's like. The, on, it's, it's, as you said, like, if there's, I, ca- I carve out posters by who i find to be more informed than others uh-huh. yeah which is fun like reference lord, points exactly lord knows when i was 14 i didn't know everything about the inner workings sure. of broadway but i sure. wanted to learn there are some of these kids who are like i don't care to learn i'm living my own fantasy right um where the, it was one of my favorite posts recently was when anastasia announced that it was closing one of the fans said I think it's closing because they couldn't find someone as good as Christy Altamar to, to take over. And I was like, Christy Altamar is a phenomenally talented woman. Uh-huh. There are other phenomenally talented women. Absolutely. I guarantee you there was not a casting call and they were like, there's no one. Right. And, Close the show. And also not to, you know, and this is, oh God, come at me. But I mean, nobody's going to see the show for Christy Altamar. People are leaving the show going, holy crap, she's incredible. Yeah. But no one's going, hey, I'm going to spend 85 or 120 on a ticket because this person is in there. That's that's stunt casting, and that gets into a whole different conversation, sure. which has the same ramifications, <laughs> well, which and, is also cyclical. And it's and it's very rare these days that an actor in a Broadway show is famous for being in that Broadway show, um, like a sure. Patti, like in a Patti Lapone and Evita kind of thing. Right. I would say Ben Platt and Evan Hansen is the most recent, yeah, uh, and probably the only one within the last like decade where like Lin Manuel, yeah, Lin Manuel and Hamilton, but that one for me was. I mean, they did a very good job when he would go out on talk shows and whatnot to be like, "You wrote right, Hamilton, right, right, not right, you're right. in you're Hamilton." It, yeah, yeah. Sure, sure. and they and they like uh, brought everybody else out as well. Um, and like, Dear Evan Hansen's doing super well now that Ben Platt's gone. Like, still, but um, still, right, not now that he's gone. No, no now that he's even gone, though, they're even doing though so well. <laughs> no, though he's they're gone. still doing well right. even after he's left. Right, but that was a like when he was in the show, people went going like this boy is supposed to be amazing mm-hmm. let's go see him and same thing with you know patty and evita and uh i'm trying to think of someone else who's like not a movie star because i was gonna say glenn close and sunset but that was different um well bernadette peters came up in in theater technically. yes yeah dames at sea so that's a great example right let's go see this curly haired cleavagey che- chest Beltris in an off-Broadway musical. <laughs> that is what everyone said in 1968 to Correct, see Dames of Sea. Billy, I beg to differ with you. How do you mean? You're the top. Yeah. You're an arrow color. You're the top. You're a queen. Um, no, but I was thinking about the way over here, and I, I didn't want it to come off negative, but at the same time, I wanted to come off passionate and obs- obsessively passionate about the fact that I just feel like it, you know, I mean, I guess the 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 real true the real kind of the real kind of um, hook here is that if we ever learn the lesson, it won't matter. 
right? Because sure. because like you said, commerce is commerce, and every generation that comes up, once they see Wicked, I mean, let's just let's just call it what it is. When they they when they're younger, they see Wicked, they see Phantom, they see Lion King, they mm-hmm. see whatever other Disney thing is on currently Aladdin. And then once they move on from that, they want different. They want non-structured. They want be more chill. They want to rent. They want to, you know, something that is a little bit more like brassy. So we're always going to have that stepping stone in kind of the tween market that takes us from youthful theater into adult theater. Sure. And everyone's going to have that benchmark. So even if we stop complaining about it, it's still going to be there. Or even So I guess it's an obsession that I'm going to always have until I'm literally Jerry Vicky's age. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why Jerry Vicky is like... I mean, you got to think about when you... You got to think about when you were a kid, the things that you were obsessed with. Um, I literally like destroyed my parents' VHS watching Little Mermaid and Beauty and the Beast on repeat. Which I mean, those are terrible examples because those are phenomenally made films. Sure, they're ultimate classics, and sure. there's nothing childlike about them. They're just masterpieces even today. But <laughs> it was the gateway drug, so to speak, to Sweeney. And Les Mis, mm-hmm. and what's like super esoteric? I was gonna say passion, but I don't like passion. Uh, Carousel and Showboat, like right, like it's you know if you're if you love theater, you love all different kinds of theater, and I would say I don't think that Broadway goes in cycles intentionally. I feel like things just kind of fall into place in a way that it's like unfortunate. I think it's I don't think it was planned. That we were going to have as many jukebox musicals in the last two years as we did. Mm-hmm. I don't think all the producers are like, yes, let's oh, – like, they don't want other jukebox musicals. They want to be the only ones so that sure. way people will come to them. Sure. Well, also, let's also uncover the, the whole thing about producing, which is if I think that Donna Summers – a musical about Donna Summer can raise money to be the Donna Summer musical, then I will absolutely produce it. You sure. know, I mean, not me personally. I'm just saying as, like, a generic producer type. Yes. You know, the, the, whole, the whole job of a producer is to – I mean, sure – there are absolutely producers like Daryl Roth um, and Jordan Roth and people that that put their passion alongside their commerce mm-hmm. and really believe in you know you know um, Jordan is following up Frozen with Hades Town you know what yeah. I mean like look that that shows you that there is kind of a fifty fifty wager there like I'm going to wager on something brand new I'm going to wager on something that is you know not possibly financially successful and then wager and then not wager and bring in and book frozen because yeah. it's going to be a, a gangbuster yeah. that's how i feel about um scott rudin i mean he's a, i'm sure he's a total dick and the whole to kill a mockingbird licensing thing was very bad but i've always given him credit for doing weird things like uh glenda jackson king lear yeah or the sam gold glass menagerie and like do that alongside hello dolly with bet midler right uh, i had a friend who actually uh, he didn't end up. He had an opportunity to invest in Dolly, and he said he wouldn't because one of the things you had to do if you were going to invest in Dolly was you had to also invest in Glass Menagerie. Yep. And I was like, that is clever. You're super clever. Once um, the, it's the once on this island uh, getting the band back together mentality as well. Yeah. If you wanted to invest in once on this island, you had to invest in. I think I'm almost positive. Don't take my word for it, and don't sue me, Ken Davenport. But I'm pretty sure he it was a two for one. Has no money to sue you with. <laughs> <laughs> Ken's a good guy. Ken was my Ken was my company manager on my on that Cinderella tour. How was he? Yes, he was. I he I was mean so, so I nice. like him because it is very clear how passionate he loves theater and wants to try new things. I wish that he would uh, talk to me about what he's going to produce next <laughs> because I have thoughts and I have I have like I literally have an outline for him for his next five years and I want to sit him down and he'll be like I'm sorry who are you right and I'll be, of like, and I'll be like your guardian angel now shut up and right. listen um, but. <laughs> 
Yeah. But again, like someone in his position, they raise, they make money from raising money for mm-hmm. shows that other people are passionate or other people they can sell passion on, right? Mm-hmm. Like you sell to 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 Joan, who has a really rich uh, husband, who's who's you know, Joan loves share. So you go to you go to Joan and you say, Joan, we're doing a share musical, and she's like, Oh my god, I love share. Mm-hmm. You know, and you say you can go to opening night and you can possibly meet share, and oh my god, she you've got a hundred thousand dollars in your pocket. Oh yeah. You know because Joan Joan has money. She, Joan is changing her major to Joan share. Joan is changing her major to share. <laughs> that was yes, a fun home Joan's, <laughs> Joan's number is 555. No, I get that. I get that. Um, one of the mob mentalities that always bugs me because it's something that I love is when people go, oh, we keep on reviving things. We're not doing enough new works. It's There's a great, speaking of Broadway the Golden Age, there's a great back-to-back clip. Where Tommy Toon, God bless him, brilliant director, super smart man, uh, says, we need to stop taking up uh, space in these theaters for revivals. We need more new works. Cut, And then it cuts immediately to Elaine Stritch who goes, I hate it when people say we shouldn't revive this. <laughs> and I'm just sitting there laughing going, preach, bitch. Right. And she's like, there's a whole generation out there that's never seen Guys and Dolls or any gift. Right. I'm like, let them see it. Right. Um, I mean, I think my issue with revivals is when directors go in and they're like i'm smarter than the writers were in 1945 so i'm gonna fix the show like don't ever think you're gonna fix the show your i your uh thought process should be how do i make audiences in 2019 feel the same way they felt in 1948 when this show came on Mm -hmm. um and from what i understand this current oklahoma does very much that makes you kind of sit there and go uh have you seen it i did okay i'm assuming you're not a fan um, no, it's not that I wasn't a fan. Um, I uh, it was a trick. It was a tricky evening for me because, oh God, you're, we're really doing this on. on Did you have another bad Uber driver? Yes, I took a horrible Uber driver. No, um, I, no, I um, my thoughts on her are as follows. Um, oh God, we can absolutely cut this out if you no, like. we don't need to cut this out. No, let's talk about it because I think it's interesting because I feel like. I was, I, I was, uh, my energy was such that I was a huge fan of taking chances mm-hmm. and really looking at this, like stripping away. Like, okay, here's my thought: Oklahoma is one of the ro- one of the most negatively romantic musicals we have. Mm-hmm. It's the whole. There's a romance. There's a lushness about it, but there's an undercurrent. Yeah, you take away all that romance, and you still have that undercurrent. It's yeah. there whether you do the whether you whether you cake it on like Rogers did or not. Like whether yeah. you like over uh, you know or Hammerstein whoever decided to make it about kind of knowing that Laurie and Curly's kind of romance from Green Grows a Lilac needs to be the thing that we buy into as a musical because yeah. otherwise it is a seriously negative thing. There's a lot it's of a, drama. It's an, under, it's an under, it's an undercurrent. Um, by taking out the kind of lushness and romance of the show, it left me with a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. Some that it answered and some that it didn't. And the ones that it didn't, I was kind of like, Oh, I wish you'd answered those questions for me. That's how I felt about the take on the show. Okay, I'm seeing it uh, in three weeks, so I'll let you know how I felt about okay. it as well. But yeah, it could I, change a little bit. It could. I, I'm. It could just be you know small tweaks or actors being more lived in with it. Ham- Rodgers and Hammerstein musicals are very interesting to me because, and I talked about this on the podcast uh, last year when I saw the Carousel revival. Uh, Hammerstein was an optimist, mm-hmm. but the shows he wrote with Rodgers had a darkness to them which made the optimism more um emotional because it was sort of if we can 
come out of the darkness starting to feel some hope like who knows what we can achieve sure so like he would go into those dark valleys to come out with a uh, an optimistic outlook uh and you wonder if rogers picked those because he'd been working with Hart so much and yeah. Hart was a a pessimist i mean yeah, a, pe- a huge just, pessimist well, yeah and just down on life in general yeah. which is odd because a lot of their shows are kind of happy go with the exception i would say pal joey like babes in arms connecticut yankee um even on your toes are like pretty just sort of like la-di-da kind yeah. of musicals that um, is also a circumstance of this of the period though sure like we were just coming out of like musical vaudeville yes you know and it was hard to push a storyline like pal joey was a rough storyline to push on people yes that know. is that is very a negative hero negative hero yeah but that is the anti-hero yeah, yeah. Uh, but that is something that bothered me with the most recent carousel was they were like oh let's go as fast as we can like tempo wise let's go as fast as we can let's cut any problematic text and just sort of make this nostalgic you know sweetness and like the show is dark yeah uh it is a dark show sure. and they and if you embrace if you truly embrace it and and treat these characters like people complicated people the show is very moving sure um but when you treat them sort of like stock musical theater types then you're like well the show's about you know how it's okay to be violent to your wife right and the show's about you know rape it's like that's it's not those are elements of the show but that's not the show's stance on it right um so that's why i'm interested with this current oklahoma and also i did not see the the carousel revival um <laughs> mostly because i was such a fan of the lincoln center yes. nick hintner one nick, yeah um, it's i mean that revival is uh canon is that the term people use i don't know it's like that's the it's it's the ultimate it's the ultimate right it's the ultimate yes right um carousel is a huge show it's a tricky show it's probably top three hardest musicals to do well mm-hmm. um the and you People often think, well, if we sell the music and the dance, the show will survive. Sure. You really have to dig hard into those book scenes because it's there. The text is – it's great text. And having read uh, Lilium and the Carousel libretto like back-to-back, seeing the work that Hammerstein did to it, I was like, this is phenomenal adapting right here. Mm-hmm. Um, and just the tweaks he made. Because Lilium's a very – have you read Lilium? I've never read Lilium. No. Lilium's a weird play. Mm. It is – like, if you think Carousel's weird, everybody, tra- check out Lilium. It is – odd with a capital ooh. um <laughs> it is just so strange um but like there are certain moments that like hammerstein takes out verbatim but like moves where they moves where that moment is in the show and uh just the whole like uh essence of lillian was just so nasty and negative uh like molnar frederick frederick molnar who wrote it did, took a very negative stance about you know domestic violence and uh toxic masculinity with the play and just like really kind of hits home just how awful Lilium is, mm. and Hammerstein's is uh, libretto is more like everyone can technically be redeemed if like they eventually open up their heart. So the, the little tweaks he makes to the libretto to kind of get to that conclusion is very fascinating. Uh, but that to say, you have to go and do the work there. And watching it, I was like, ah, these actors could totally do the work if they were given the time and I don't think they were given the time. Yeah. And I had a few people involved in the production who I talked with later on who confirmed more or less for me that not all of the time was spent on the text. It was mm. more on like the dancing and the set changes and the costumes sure. and the singing. And sure, I was like, sure, sure. like they cut so much book in that production. And it was still almost three hours. They cut a lot of book in Dolly too, didn't they? Did they? Did they? They added the pudding bit, which was not normally in the script. Um, I think I felt with the Dolly revival, I I loved all of my friends in it. I felt like they had. I felt like they cut book. It felt like almost like to me. It sometimes felt like the highlights of of Tello Dolly. It felt like we went from sure. song to song. Sure. And it also could have been the fact that while I loved 
that I loved that Middler. Mm-hmm. I didn't love uh, there was no kind of um, there was no kind of arc. It was kind of like almost and, and I don't know if it was a, I, I, let me backtrack and say I don't think it was a fault of Bette Middlers. I think it was a fault of the fact that she is someone who when you're doing when you're doing scene one to scene 18 in a two hour two and a half hour evening you've got to know what that growth what the mm-hmm. growth is what the arc is for the character what you're bringing from scene one to scene two to scene two to scene three what you bring from scene four back to scene two so you carry you know you just need to know all your emotional luggage and i feel like she had been doing her concert circuit so much and mm-hmm. vaude and a kind of vaudeville kind of style mm-hmm. that every time she came out it felt like the same person appearing with new information as opposed to someone who had already been through um you know another another monologue to um what's her husband's name um uh, uh, Ephraim, yeah. you know another like after the Ephraim model after Ephraim monologue i didn't feel like we got any broader look at who dolly was sure. or, or even more focused look whatever it is anyway so that's how i felt but, about that and I, but, that's why i think they cut i thought they cut book because they I might they might i think missing. i don't think they cut major chunks they might have trimmed some lines here and there i sure. will say it, i did feel like we got from yonkers to manhattan very, very quick. quickly yeah because i had done the show and i remember feeling like the that yonkers was like a 15 minute section yeah um i mean also like talk about fast tempos everything on cocaine like yeah. that production was yeah. like bam 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 yeah uh well scott rudin loves two and a half two and a half hours for a musical comedy yes that's he got that's gotta be it yes he do um i will say i saw it with bet right the night before the tony awards and it is one of the most electric audiences i've ever been in absolutely yeah. which was fine but like it may i still didn't I was like, this is a lot of fun. I'm not loving it. I saw it again with Donna. I saw it with Donna Murphy. Uh-huh. Very different experience. Yeah, sure, sure. Um, she had that arc. And the audience did not start off the way they were with Bette. Right. But by the end of the show, they were. Right. And that, and that was when moving. I, I, it, I finally understood why the title number gets the ovation it does. Because <laughs> every time I'd seen it with Bette, when I did it, I was like, I don't get it. Like, this yeah. number's like, fine. It's not great. And then with Donna, knowing what I knew about her with her husband passing and like how hard it was for her to come back to the stage to yeah. see her like literally rejoin the human race down those stairs. I was like, yes, Yay! I have an audio recording, a live audio recording of Carol Channing doing that that performance, and I have no idea who taped it. <laughs> Wait, of the '96 performance. Of the '96 performance. That is insane. You have a lot of things. Yeah, I have a good archive. You do. I have a good archive. How do? You, okay, oh, I God. have feelings about archives and things that are not necessarily. As someone on both ends, as someone who is a passionate theater historian, sure, and also someone who's been on Broadway a lot, sure. How do you feel about um, that? So I feel like I'm, I'm thrilled. I don't need. Um, uh, I'm thr- I'm thrilled that archives exist. Yes, that's what I'll say because I don't think there should be any money gained for from it. Mm-hmm. Because technically, if I'm in that performance, I was getting paid to do that performance. You were paying to see that performance. There should be no more money. Yes. changing hands on anything. Mm-hmm. That's how I feel. I feel like people shouldn't make money from selling or or gaining anything from mm-hmm. from from that stuff. However, I will say that I every time I think to myself, "Oh, there's someone filming in row 3." Um uh, that that to me is 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 more of a problem than someone who filmed the one time that Liza Minnelli went in and, and replaced Gwen Verdon or Gwen, Gwen Verdon in Chicago. Gwen Verdon in Chicago. Yeah. Thank God we have that on on 
on archives. You yeah. know what I mean? Like yeah. there's those moments where I go, or thank God that um, Theoni Aldridge or um, oh, who's the other costume designer? Flor- Florence uh, Florence Plotz. Plotz. Yeah. She had a camera and she fi- she had literally one of those old school eyewitness news cameras mm-hmm. and filmed. That's how we have follies. follies. We have like we have like uh, fifty minutes of footage of follies. And her whole closet was filled with VHS tapes or mm-hmm. eight millimeter. You know, eight millimeters that were all of. Her perform her things, and she was doing it to archive her costumes. Yeah, but in doing so, she archived some of the most incredible, momentous, unique performances mm-hmm. in history. Um, I I wish that um, that we could figure. I mean, and Broadway HD is figuring it out. I wish we could figure out a way to to make it a little bit more accessible mm-hmm. without losing the 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 uniqueness of Broadway yeah. and live theater because theater's theater. It's not it's not television. It's not film. It's not meant to be filmed for that no. medium. Um, so I'm I'm so thankful for Lincoln Center that they archive everything, um, and I don't need seventy five copies of Wicked with every no. single alphabet. That's w. that's where it gets tricky for me yeah. because I. <sighs> I love that young theater fans are so passionate. Yeah. And, and like, they really do love these things with all yeah, their heart. And absolutely. that's wonderful. Right. I think, they wouldn't want to capture it if they didn't. Yes. Right? I think there needs, I think there are healthier ways to channel that energy sure. besides recording every time you go see the show, besides uh, stalking sometimes performers right. or like finding out their phone numbers. I, I think there are healthier ways to do that. I'm also sort of like, once someone has preserved it in a very solid way, let stop. Like, there's that bootleg of uh, Drowsy Chaperone. I think it's, like, last week of previews. And it's from the mezzanine. It's the entire show. It captures everything. I'm like, great. I don't... There needs to be never a video of this show again. Right. Because that is perfect. Right. Um, weirdly, I actually prefer uh, undocumented archival videos <laughs> to archival videos. Yeah. Only because I actually think the energy of the show and the audience is... is more present in those sure like the the there's that very famous uh i'm gonna stop being pc here the famous bootleg of dream girls from oh uh that is it's not great super super great quality but you understand the energy of that show and from the audience watching it right then you could have if it was like a multi-cam video um i mean and you see why michael bennett was michael bennett exactly i mean the completest staging and you you see see the transitions absolutely those amazing transitions the completest me would have loved the multi-cam professional footage of it so we could see like the fact that i don't that there's no complete video of the original act two opening of dream girls right devastates me right because they changed it and there's footage of that now but not the original like that boot like the original boot like comes in like 40 seconds into the opening and i'm like i want to see those first 40 seconds yeah what were they well and i'll say you know just to clear my record on this i am more (laughs) a fan of let me just put it this way yes i'm more of a fan of archival footage that exists Mm pre-1992 or pre-1990 yes because the advent of cell phones and cell phone cameras and Mm -hmm. how easy it was to record stuff was not as available so Mm -hmm. it's more exciting to me to see Shows that I never would have been able to see that I only yes. lived through the show they're recording of. But I will take this moment to say that recording of any kind is strictly prohibited and you will be punished to the highest order if you are caught recording any Broadway shows. And I do not, I do not recommend doing that. But if you have <laughs> in your possession. But if you do have a 1998 production of. <laughs> if you actually have uh, the Lincoln Center recording of Smile on you, I would love to have it. <laughs> Please send it to me. I've been writing to Jody Benson for years, um, and she won't give it to me. You know she don't have it. You know she don't have it. She asked Howard Ashman at closing night, and he said, "Jody, no." Uh, 
But I will say, you know what even is better than, than that, honestly? Well, not better than that, but equal to that is not the idea of illegally recording, but all the stuff that they did that is now appearing on YouTube, like the hour-long documentary on Smile. Yeah. About the Texas don't – about the guy who owned the football team who came in and was like, I love Smile. I'm yeah, going to make gonna it give, go to Broadway. I'm going to give it the $3 million. That's great, thing. and that's available right there on YouTube. And it oh, has yeah. performances, and it has B-roll technically in it. You know? Yes, it does. You think I don't know about that documentary? No, of course you do. Of course <laughs> the, you do. The most, one of the most exciting things to me on YouTube ever is when they start that documentary, and it's the piano chord that goes into Shine. It's the... Every time I hear it, I get so excited. Um, it's so uh, guys, it's such a good show. Uh, I've been petitioning Encore to do it for a year now. Yeah, I'm why, gonna, why wouldn't they? I have no clue. I'm gonna. I'm sending Jack Fertel an official letter this year to actually do it. Um, I'm like I've the, after seeing Call Me Madden this year, which like was a perfectly fine production, and everyone sure. in it's so fucking talented. Like Carmen Cusack could sing me my oh, test results, and I'd be God. happy. Obsessed with um, her. And she should play Brenda in this Encore Smile. She would kill it. But I watched, I was like, I turned to my grandmother because she's who I see Encores with. Yeah. And I go, I go, Nanny, it's time for Encores to do Smile. She goes, Matt, you've been saying that for five years ago, but I mean it now. <laughs> I love your Nanny. I see her on your Instagram, right? You yeah, yeah, Nanny. She, go, she, Well, I have two grandmothers, Nanny and then uh, Sally, my who I call actual grandma. She, uh, the one who just turned 95. Oh. She, she's a dear, but uh, Nanny's 88. Uh, Nanny's who I saw three tall women with. So there's oh, a photo amazing. of us. There's a photo of us together seeing uh, three tall women. Amazing. Yeah, she's she's a gem. The you three also. Us, oh, so sorry. I was going to also tell email uh, email Casey Nicola or write Casey Nicola because he would actually be the. Perfect, he's the perfect director for Smile. smile. For, for oh, smile. I, well, I don't actually. I did meet him. I met him through Tyler uh, a little while ago, oh. but I don't have his personal info. But what if I wrote Jack Rattel? The letter, and then forward it. Found a way to forward it to Casey Nicola. I'll be like, you need to do smile at yes. encores. This is what I wrote, Jack Fratell. Yes, you need to do it. Yes, um, but Absolutely. like, oh my god, oh You're my right. god, I You're it would right. be, and it's well, it's so relevant right now. And I did talk about this a year ago, so I'm sorry, John. I'm talking about it again. <laughs> but if you li- read this, the the libretto, this, the licensed one, the one that like Howard Ashman and Marvin Hamlisch were finally like, this is the version. Our of version. Sm- this yeah. is the version of smile we want out there. It is so press uh, prescient prescient the word mm-hmm. to our current political climate uh social climate economical climate like we are like russia is back yeah um are we have a hollywood celebrity in the white house right um the it, it kind of gives an indicator to the me too movement in terms of i was just gonna say the yeah. me too of of the of the of the pageant background and all i mean oh yeah everything how these young girls become sexualized and there's a great line where the choreographer is like yeah I took a bunch of sweet seventeen-year-old girls and turned them into showgirls. Um, <laughs> yeah, and and I mean, he says it in a way they're like because they tell him like, "Great job!" Like this, the pageant's great. He's like, "Yeah, took a bunch of sweet seventeen-year-olds and turned them into showgirls. Go me!" <laughs> and I don't know, like in 1986, Amer- uh, American audiences were very much on a high of like, "We're amazing. We don't yeah. like satire on things that we really love." Right. Um, and I think we're able to kind of see that uh, see that a bit more about ourselves yeah it also very much uh calls into effect uh the racism of show business oh yeah uh the the maria gonzalez uh character i've said this before she is the only ethnic contestant in the pageant and she plays up her ethnic stereotype uh ethnic background to a stereotype mm. and wins and- talent and i'm like that is such a commentary yeah. that these judges are like oh my god amazing right 
Right. <sighs> I love it. It needs to be done. Oh my God, I need to go back and reread this. I read it in like, I think I read it in college as an, as oh, an assignment. No. Yeah, reread it and listen to the, the synthesizer demo. It's so good. My good friend Karen used Disneyland as her audition song, so I knew that, of course, I've, so well. I mean, back when I was still auditioning, but the last year of auditions, I did Disneyland. And <laughs> I I got to tell you, I got a callback every single fucking time. Magic Kingdom. Magic Kingdom, Disneyland. And when I went on the road in Jamie Lynn Sigler, um, who was at that time from The Sopranos. Doing Cinderella. Did, did Cinderella. We did a cabaret and she sang Disneyland as well. Oh, she was great. You. She was so sweet. Oh, she is sweet. She's so sweet. Yeah. Um, <laughs> where do we go? Where do we go, where do we from, go from here? I mean, that is what your obsession was talking about. Audience is saying, where do we go from here? Right. I mean, I'm telling you, we're reviving Smile. Correct. What are you telling me? That we just used an Evita lyric and a Dreamgirls lyric as two transitional statements. That's what I'm going to tell you. So what happens um, now? So what happens now? Um... I don't, you know, I mean, I think what, what what's going to happen is I think if you're, if you ask me, I think Tina will be probably the last we see of biopic, biomusicals bio for a while. For a while. For a while, maybe 10 or 12 years or 15 years. Um, I think, I think we're going to see a whole like slew of original crazy musicals coming in because of people like Jordan and Daryl. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and also like Hal Luftig and, you know, producers that are willing to take a chance and Scott, mm-hmm. you know, um, so I, I hope all that happens, and and you know you still have you have Roger and Hammerstein is a brand, so they're going to push a revival every couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, what's really interesting is they're going to lose their copyright soon and all that stuff. So it's that's a whole other conversation. Yeah, but um, so so depressing. Um, or maybe it's not. Maybe it opens up the 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 universe for people to do more things with that and not feel the pressure of heritage or legacy. Yeah, I don't know. That's a double-edged sword for me because for every, like, Nick Heitner who goes in and is like, what if we open the show at the mill instead of at the carousel? Right. We have Eva Van Hoff. He's like, what if it all takes place in a litter box? Right. <laughs> and I'm just like, what? Ah. Billy, I beg to differ with you. How do you mean? You're the top. Yeah. You're an arrow color. You're the top. You're a I haven't seen a lot. If you named a lot of shows that have been the past 12 years, I probably haven't seen them. Because I just feel like once people tell me about them, you also been working a lot. Yeah, that's true. But we do get, you know, I gotta say we do get a lot of free tickets. We Broadway gets a lot of free tickets. That's the nicest thing about being in a Broadway show. I want to be buying. I want to be on so Broadway great. now. It's so great because the the other general managers, if they're opening a mm-hmm. show, they'll figure out what day you're dark. Yeah. On. Um, and we're and beautiful was dark on Monday nights and Wednesday nights. So <sighs> if there was ever like a preview on a Monday, great. Mm-hmm. If there was ever like a full fledged show on Wednesday, tickets all around. Love so it. I saw a lot of stuff. Ah, oh, that's. Amazing. They all just saw Jealous. the Ain't Too Proud invited dress last week. Yes. Because they because half the cast is from Beautiful. <laughs> that is true. A lot of them are. Yeah. So I'm um, excited to see that. Yeah, as am I. Uh, I don't know how we got into that. But oh, <laughs> I, feel, I feel the same way about Pretty Woman. Uh, I haven't seen it yet. Right. And I've seen clips and I know what everyone in the cast sounds like. Yep. I've heard a couple of songs and I know the movie very well. Yep. I feel like I've seen the show already. I will also say there's something absolutely valid in saying I'm not the audience for that theater, sure. for that show. You know, and I'm not the audience for Pretty Woman. Mm. Then that is not a negative. That's not a positive. Mm. That is not. They are not directing their advertising at someone like me who is hell or high water musical theater mm. without the brand or with the brand. And that is a branded property that is saying, hey, you know, Pretty Woman is to me is the kind of show that says, hey, you loved the movie. You'll love the musical. Yeah. Great. That's a perfect sales pitch. It's a perfect sales pitch to, you know, Aunt Frida in Long Island, who knows nothing about, who loved, who loved Phantom of the Opera, you know, and every Tuesday night watches Laurenata. 
That was great Thank acting. You. Thank you. Oh my god. Um, Law and Order. Um, <laughs> Law but, <enough>. but um, <laughs> you know, but 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 doesn't really buy into musical theater. That's the greatest pitch for her because she goes, "Oh my god, loved Pretty Woman. Yeah, so I'm gonna love Pretty Woman the musical. Sure, yeah, right. Yeah, I will say. Do I, they do the did they do pearls the pearls bit? Great, amazing, amazing. You know, yeah. like and that's do, it's that's a, that that there there is and that's what I that goes. Great tie back into my obsession is that there's always room for those for shows like Pretty Woman. Sure, there's room for you need sugar in your diet. You know what yeah. I mean? Like Pretty Woman is sugar. It is there is it's a fun night out at the theater. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I'm all of a sudden like a salesman for Pretty Woman, but it's a good example. I apologize. I promise. It's a it good example. No, it's a good example. It's like it's Pretty Woman is 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 um is it, there is a market for Pretty Woman, especially for people who have seen Wicked, who have seen Phantom, who have seen Evita for the third time, who have seen you know they want to yeah. see something different and um you know yeah i yeah i am if i can find myself an affordable ticket or yeah. a real ticket yeah. and i just happen to be you know with a bank account that can afford such one yes uh i have no problem seeing things like uh pretty woman or ain't you proud or wicked only because every piece of theater that you see if you are a theater goer if that is something you love to do of seeing theater it helps inform you yeah and your uh every theater you see helps inform your taste more yeah. whether you like it or don't like it right you can go into something thinking i'm not the right audience for it you can also be wrong when you walk out of the theater there are times where i walked into shows being like i don't think i'm gonna like this yeah and i walked away such Blown a fan away. absolutely yep um i remember like when i saw fun home at the public i knew very little about it yeah i knew it was janine Tesori, who i love but i had heard it was based off a uh, graphic novel and i was like oh i don't like graphic novels mm-hmm. And so I went up being like, well, maybe. maybe. I, I wasn't like nasty, but I was like, maybe. Yeah. And then I walked out going, that was the best thing I've seen in years. Yep. Uh, and then saw it on Broadway. And even on Broadway, I was like, will it be as good as at the public? And it was even better. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I love shit like that. So yeah. I, w- I will go see Pretty Woman. I would love to have my mind change. I have, a, I, to, I'm, I, have unf- I have an unfair premeditated opinion on the show just based off of what I've seen and what I know and the, what I know of the movie sure. having seen the movie sure. many times right. um, I would love for them to change my mind um, you you made the prediction that you don't think we're going to see many bio jukebox musicals in the future what are some trends just from like insider scoop without giving too much away from some insider scoop you've seen of like workshops and readings what do you think could be a trend that we can all expect well i mean i think we're gonna get um a few you know we're gonna continue to get i mean i'm not saying there won't be any bio musicals but i think there will be lesser than we've seen we've certainly seen an onslaught of them sure. since the beautiful you know since the beautiful not even beautiful before that you know it's just it's been yeah. it's been an onslaught um I think we're going to get back into a cycle where we see a few, a few movie musicals, mm-hmm. you know, because now we have these um, movie houses who have theatrical producers attached to them. Mm-hmm. So we have theatrical producers actually mining the his, the, the libraries of yeah. these of these places. Um, I think we're going to see some interesting things um, import. I think we're gonna we're gonna hit. Um, I hope we're gonna hit a diversity peak, not a peak, but I hope we're gonna hit so far what what, what yeah. will be our peak in the next five five to seven years. Mm-hmm. We're gonna see some. And, and I'm not talking Bombay Dreams, like the one, you know, hit that just happens to have, an, you know, mostly Middle Eastern or, you know, or um, or ethnic cast. I think we're going to see a lot of that coming up, which excites me because also that's another way to do revivals yeah. is to is to is to look at why Josh Henry is interesting as that role, but in a, in a larger way. Yeah. So I'm, I think we have that coming up. Um, I think we have. um but, and, and no matter what you have coming up, people are going to complain. People are going to say 
We have too many movie musicals. We have too many buyer musicals. We have too many revivals. We have only 50 houses, and 50% of them are filled. Yeah. So, unfortunately, we're only seeing 25 new things every year. Mm -hmm. You know, so, and don't quote me on that statistic, but it's something like that. <laughs> Numbers. Numbers, right. What we need is we need a new theater. We yeah. need We need the Schubert's to actually build a theater where they were supposed to do next to the Imperial, but oh yeah. Well. Did what happened there? I don't know. I have no idea. Yeah. There was another there was another um big rumor that Disney was gonna build its own theater as opposing mm -hmm. as opposed to leasing uh, uh the New Amsterdam? No, staying in this well they have a hundred year on New Amsterdam. Yeah. But like taking uh, taking away the 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 frozen in the Jujamson or yeah. something in the Lent Fontaine or something, you know. Yeah. And actually opening a, a Broadway house. Yeah, I don't. I have mixed feelings about that, but I mean, I'm I'm all for just some new theaters in general. I mean, we did just get the Hudson two years ago, mm -hmm. but like, oh no, the newest. What have you oh. taken? Have you taken the tour? I have not taken the tour. Take the tour. Okay. Today, Tix does does a tour. I'm not pu pushing it because I have no affiliation with them. But no skin in the game. No skin in the game. Um, uh, but I was looking for skin in the game. <laughs> hey, oh, I said foreskin. Um, so uh, stuffing Shelly the... and foreskin. <laughs> this is. Weirdly become the dirtiest episode of Broadway Breakdown. Really? I'd probably. Doubtful. We talk, you know, John and I, when we get together, we talk about bottoming a lot. Ayo. <laughs> um, Kevin's face has gotten very weird. Also an obsession. <laughs> um, uh, so. <laughs> hi, mom. Um, hi, mom. So uh, I think um, I think we need new new theaters, but I think this, I think, anyways, I think my obsession with the fact that, that we, we, that, it, that we complain about the cycles is that that it will always happen because we are we are cyclical and there's mm -hmm. going to be people that that always just point that pat out the fact that do we need another this do we need another that well it's not your choice because you're a single ticket buyer mm -hmm. and so if you don't have the the if you don't have the intelligence or the education to stand back and look at what the grand scope of Broadway is that we need Chicago on Broadway we need that revival to keep running because it's going to bring in people for that don't normally come to New York to see that revival, and then they're going to see something else, and they're going to buy a ticket to something else because of that. We don't need Chicago in general. I mean, I'm just saying we need we need that slot filled is what I'm saying. What I've just heard oh, Jesus. is that I need to gain enough power that I can make these decisions. Yes. And I decide what goes into theaters and right. what gets written. Right. So mark it now. I'm not going to say a year from now. I'm going to be realistic and say a year and a half from now. <laughs> I'm going to have enough power that I kill any musical or play I don't want. We'll, we'll get shows to close that have been there for years. Ah. We're going to get new things. Um, I've been waiting for like Schindler's List, the ballet, oh, Sophie's God. Choice, the opera. Uh -huh. um, but I want, so I want like a Sophie's Choice, like Les Mis. I want inappropriate singing when, you know, people are dying and I want a turntable. I want a light <laughs> tower, like dream girls. It's going to be amazing. Anywho, so we'll wrap this up. Uh, where can people find you on the interwebs, Kevin? Uh, I'm at Kevin Dudagram on Instagram, mm -hmm. and I'm at Kevin Dude on Twitter. All right, you do have Twitter. I, I don't do have Twitter. I forget who has Twitter because I don't have Twitter. So I don't. I'm not. I came over to the Instagram side more so, but Same. I still like Twitter. We always end the episode with a Broadway diva to sing us out. Oh yes, I'm not going to tell you who we've had. I'd like you to give me a choice, and then I'll say yes or no based on whether we had them or not. Oh my gosh. A Broadway diva to sing us out. Mm-hmm. Um, um, how about, um, how about Lori, um, uh, original Evita cover, Lori Ackerman. 
Lonnie Ackerman. Lonnie Ackerman. There we go. Lon- cut that out. Okay. Please cut that out. Please cut that out. <laughs> no, I'm going to keep that. Lonnie Ackerman. Okay. I th- yeah, I I have an audio that I not of her in Avita, but I have do you have audio of her in Avita? I don't think I do. God damn it. The one thing you're good for. Uh Lonnie Ackerman, uh I think I can get audio of her from sophisticated ladies. Uh yeah. She'll No, 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 not Lonnie Ackerman. Uh that's uh Terry Klausner that's sophisticated ter- Right. I don't know. Right. No. I, that's what I was thinking of Terry Klausner. Lonnie Ackerman I can totally find audio. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Lonnie Ackerman has a she's, ton of things. She's all over YouTube yes, with that. Okay. She is. She yeah. is. Okay, she has she has a second gene in New Argentina. I think that's what we'll play. Hey. That's Has that always been your catchphrase? No. I don't I'm know why I'm today. using it. Probably because like it's probably like Jerry Vicky. Like, Jer- <laughs> Jerry and Vicky. Lonnie Ackerman. All right. So this has been Broadway Breakdown. Uh, I'm Matt Koplick. I'm Kevin Duda. And well, uh, I was supposed to say that. You, I mean, yeah. I'm, you, 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 you. Where's John? I've never met John. You don't need to meet John. Okay. No one ever has to meet John. All right. Uh, John has been very busy doing um, a series with the Stage Network, and then he also is doing a developmental lab oh yeah so making that those uh percentages nice now. thank nice. you equity uh at least i think it's a developmental lab i know he said it at one point what it was and that's how i interpreted it oh. so I know. but he'll he will stop being mia very shortly you'll have him back very soon guys stick with it uh in the meantime this has been a more informative episode a more intelligent episode yes sorry not sorry john uh, and this is Lonnie Ackerman. Take us away, Lonnie. wondered how your favorite performer actually feels? Well, here's your chance. Welcome to The Quiet Part Out Loud with me, Bobby Steggert, Broadway actor and now a therapist to a whole host of Broadway creatives. Part interview, part therapy, this is not your typical podcast. We'll go right to the heart of things with some of your favorite artists, what they still struggle with, what lessons they've learned, what they haven't figured out yet. There's enormous power in saying the quiet part out loud. Are you listening? Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.